Welcome, guys, to the MMOs.com podcast, episode 113. Uh, this week, Altai here is joined by this guy. Oh, Omer. And as usual, we will start with that wonderful, wonderful weekly raid. Maybe recap last week's weekly raid, actually. Yes, we, we will start by recapping last week's. Uh, that will be the new trend, hopefully, we don't forget. Mm-hmm. And last week, we talked about how you guys think MMORPGs should handle death penalties. And we were inspired by Albion, which was a new launch. It's a new launch where there's um, basically there's regions where you lose nothing for dying. There are regions where you lose um, some stuff for dying, like silver. And there's regions where you drop all your equipment upon death and inventory. So we mm-hmm. were um, reminiscing about how games used to do in the past, how games do it now, etc., and uh, a lot of people in the comments, a lot of you mentioned RuneScape, which is another game that uh, you drop everything when you die. Uh, some, this guy mentioned uh, Mortal Online and how it actually did not do it well. Because this was a uh, game with, where gear was too powerful. So you, what, would, mm-hmm. what you would have is you would have high-geared people just camping, right? And just killing people that are poorly geared. And it, so he was a bad experience for him. Another guy had a very similar experience to me in EverQuest, where he needed the help of a necromancer to find his body. That was interesting. Uh, yeah, so a lot, a lot of, a lot of good discussion. You know, people left pretty in-depth uh, experiences there. I think one game that people didn't mention actually is uh, Shea. It's an old-school MMORPG uh, through Area Games. It's actually, I think, one of their first MMORPGs. I think that game actually had a permadeath mode uh, called Ultimate Mode. It was actually kind of cheesy because. Um, You'd obviously you'd actually get better rewards in uh in, if you're playing permadeath mode, right? So you're playing hardcore mode, you die again. Your character's done. You delete it, right? Everything you spent on your character dead, gone. But you get better loot and, to make up for it. But it was kind of cheesy because if you died, like a player could resurrect you, right? Like if you had a player in your party that could resurrect you within like mm-hmm. I guess X number of minutes, or you have a chance to reach out to the cash shop and buy like a self res. No, <laughs> but this was and and. The problem is you really it really cheapened like, like the whole hardcore experience of you can pay money to resurrect, right? Because if if you tell yourself if I don't spend this five dollars, whatever it costs to resurrect, you would actually end up losing like hundreds of hours of work. At that point, areas got you by the balls, all right? You really squeezing your balls and you're gonna buy the the self res. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Pay pay to live. <laughs> that's a new new genre. Pay to live. But I don't think there's really that many more PGs with like perma death. You know, we've seen hardcore mode. In like Diablo and stuff, but that's not really a permadeath that kind of takes you down from like you know from a hardcore character to a regular character. But beyond well, Shea, off the top of my head, I don't know any other permadeath and more PGs. I want to jump into a quick uh, detail into that Diablo example. Uh, mm. Diablo always had it where hardcore characters that die are dead, permanent, deleted. It's mm. Path of Exile, which I think did the right innovation with that respect. Where if you have a hardcore character, you're in your separate you know server basically your realm. If your character dies. You just get bumped down to standard mode. Mm-hmm. So you, everything with, with your carry and everything in your stash gets dragged down too. Otherwise, it'd be like an easy way to like. You, you just that's actually make, really cool, man. Yeah, so that, I think I think Path of Exile had a pretty good system for the whole hardcore thing. Because imagine that you get disconnected from like a thunderstorm, right? In Diablo mm-hmm. Three, it's such BS to die that way, right? Mm-hmm. At least in Path of Exile, you keep your character, you keep your gear. It just gets bumped down to standard. So I think that that was a good uh, that was a good innovation. It's a really good compromise between permadeath and otherwise. But are there any other MMORPGs that are permadeath, like actual permadeath? Uh, not MMORPGs, but some people mentioned um, Terraria has a mode mm-hmm. where you either only draw. Oh, we got a sub. Thank you so much, Wacko. Second month. Second Thank month. you, Wacko. Oof, look at that. And the cat fell for you. 
So uh, Terraria has a system where you can drop just money if you die. Mm-hmm. You can drop all your gear if you die. Or you can set it so your character gets deleted when you die. So it kind of gives players the option. That's good. Mm-hmm. I do think other games can experiment with the idea of... Per- I think a lot of us talk about permadeath. Like, I, I don't know how well it would work in practice in an MRPG. Because, again, only one I've seen really do it was Shea. And not, not very few people rule hardcore characters anyway. But it'd be cool to see other games experiment with that idea. That's something that I think that's not really you know done too much. Another sub, DS Davids. Thank you so much. Let's take it to uh, this week's weekly raid. All right. With that, yes, this week we are going to talk about how important is co-op for you. And this week we were inspired by the amazing, unseen by me at least, success <laughs> of Fortnite. Fortnite was one of the first games I put a preview page for, up for on MMOs.com when we started the site, like I think like, two years ago, right? And by the time I put out that page, it had already been in development for like four years. So this game is six years in development. And finally, it came out in early access uh, for $40 minimum. And they even said at the time, this game will be free to play still, because initially it was pitched as free to play. It will be free to play next year, 2018. Despite mm-hmm. the fact, as I said ahead of time, this will go free to play next year, over 500,000 copies were sold in the first 24 hours. That's that's pretty impressive. Holy crap. Yeah, I, I did not see that kind of success coming for a game that was kind of stuck in development hell for, you know, half a decade. Um, so I, I was blown away, and now I'm trying to figure out what, 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 is, what is it that this game um, did right? What, what, why did, how did it get so much attention? And my... Uh, Explanation for that is the co-op. I think co-op is a woefully underserved market. It's high demand. I'm, I always find myself every month searching on Google something like this: you know, co-op games, a co-op adventure, co-op platformer. I'm always searching for a co-op game because there are groups of friends with which I cannot play competitive games because they're not competitive gamers. Like either they stopped gaming, you know, years ago, or they never were big gamers. Whatever it is. Uh, I think co-op is so important because you can play with such a broad audience of friends. You can play with hardcore friends, you know, the casuals, just a random guy who shows up at, you know, your house. You can just play something simple. So I think Fortnite is really serving that niche. What do you think? I think uh, that, that the co-op element in Fortnite is not exclusive to, like, uh, I think you can have co-op elements in MMORPGs. Obviously, MMOs are online multiplayer games, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, I feel like basically every MMORPG... It's very, um, they lo- it's very backloaded. Like all that co-op content and more pieces that people really like, is really at the end. Yeah. You know, you want to do some real co-op content with your friends. FF14, lol. You ain't doing, the- you aren't, you aren't doing any of that shit until you're literally 100 hours into the game because it's all end-game rating, savage content, extreme content, right? You can always do like the the regular dungeons and stuff, but it's not really at all challenging or really that fun. And basically, every MMORPG is that co- co-op content really pushed towards the end. And the early content, as well as basically getting to max level, is basically all single player content. Really, you you know, again, you call it an MMORPG, but at no point in the process are you really doing things with other players. You're just doing your own thing, which I think is really unfortunate because you can see from Fortnite that co-op is amazingly successful. And I think that's actually one of the reasons you have games like Rust so successful. And even uh, Dark and Light has a lot of players online right now. That's why survival games I think do really well. People play survival games with their friends, yep. and being able to have that co-op experience, a meaningful co-op experience from literally the start of the game. You know, when you the moment you jump into Rust, the first thing you always do is okay. You know, go find some hemp. Let's go build some sleeping bags. We can all spawn next to each other. People start playing together, building a base together, and they go like to go through that co-op experience. I think MMORPGs have a lot to learn from really incorporating co-op elements uh, into the early game, into the mid game, so people can feel like they're playing something with their friends. No, I, I played I played Maple Story with uh, Rices, with Chaos Shield, 
and a couple of other friends on Discord, right? And it's an MMORPG, but we literally did nothing together. We were all in our own corner of the world, grinding our own portion of the map. In fact, we never really did one thing together. Because there's no point to. There's no. It's, it's not, the game isn't meant for you to do stuff together. Unfortunately, I mean, I have a great Maple Story story mm. as well. Uh, you know, we, my brother and I both enjoy going back to Maple Story once in a while. And I, so I asked my girlfriend, you know, do you want to try Maple Story with us? And she's like, Yeah, I would love to play an MMO with you and you know Omar. So you know, we could all play together. I'm like, No, 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 no. We're not actually going to be seeing each other for the first like 30 hours. Just a heads up. And she's like, What? I don't want to play then. Like, you know, like so this whole. The whole point of this massively multiplayer experience is lost on on basically everyone in a lot of these games now because you can literally go from not only can you go but it's encouraged to go from level one to max by yourself like it's actually optimal like it's faster to go by yourself um and it's not just maple Story that does this so many games today do this even in world of warcraft does this too where it's so much easier to solo uh level and i think so much is lost on that you know it's it, it, instead of at least being neutral they actually discourage co-op play like multiplayer play mm -hmm. the least they could do is make it neutral like you would yeah. think that's like <laughs> easy way to do it but no they they, they don't mm -hmm. actually uh th there's one game uh off the top of my head that kind of did a decent job with that again it's not a good way of doing it but i thought they at least tried if you look at record of lotus war online mm -hmm. a relatively new launch it's not very it's not super successful it's a very grindy game the at least when you party with your friends right you actually got more experience number like if you have x the more people you add to your party the more bonus experience you get and, you know, then you're like, holy shit, let's go play this game together and party and grind together. At least when you're, even if you're grinding, like literally mindlessly grinding, which is the, the core gameplay in Record of Lotus War Online, mm -hmm. literal mindless grind, at least you're doing it with your friends on the same screen. And there's clearly something for that camaraderie and just being together. I mean, we all, we, look, people play Rust, people play Fortnite, all these games are the co-op experience. We need that in MMORPGs. And I really don't, can't think of any MMORPGs that did a good job with, I do want to say Bless. I thought it did a really good job with it, like because it had a lot of dungeons in the game that weren't like all the way late game. Like you get to level yeah. twenty, right? You can do a dungeon with your friends, and those dungeons weren't like face roll easy. So you had to kind of adapt and learn and do things with your friends. And games that can at least do that, I think, do a good job of hooking people on pretty early. And I do want to say the the dungeon experience in Bless, both like level twenty and thirty dungeons we did were some of the best like in more RPG experience I've had in a while because it wasn't so late game that you could you could do it right away. And I thought it was really superbly done. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, different MMORPGs are finding different solutions to this. And that doesn't mean solo play can't be fun. I, you know, a lot of games are fun solo. Like, I still enjoy MapleStory solo grinding. But the point is, I think a lot of people um, do want that co-op play. And it is an underserved market. Uh, you know, games like Left 4 Dead. You know, Payday too. When they made that free-to-play with a limited... It shot up so much on Steam. And I think the reason for that is because a co-op game like that, right... You know, it's hard to get four people to buy a you know a game. But if one guy tries it, if one friend gets a free copy and he, it's a good game, he can convince his friends to play with him, and then it kind of snowballs because you know you kind of need people to play with. Um, so I think I think these games are woefully underserved. Whoever comes up with the next you know four player you know, take on Left 4 Dead or Payday Two, like, the next take on that I think will sell really well. Only because, like I said, there's so many games, so many games not doing this right now. And that is that. I think we. I, we, I want to see more and more RPGs incorporate that co-op experience to the first like ten hours, twenty hours of the game. Mm -hmm. Players should have to wait hundred hours to play together. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate because like even yeah, it's just it's it's really bad. Like, that's that's the one thing I, I don't like about MMORPGs. It's all basically solo play. If you look at the comments actually in the Twitch chat. People are saying like, you know, I'm, I love grinding Black Desert online and want to do it with my friends, but it became so much slower. And it's actually three times faster to do it solo. So like, 
they're not only making it neutral, they're actually discouraging mm -hmm. you know group play. So basically, everyone splits up and does their own thing. And Black Desert is still a successful game, so this isn't like a necessarily a make it or break it moment. But I think you know we can. All, I think almost everyone can agree, though, having that kind of you know cooperative content that you have to actually work together with other people makes just gets you, it makes it easier to get into the game and, and get to that late game where they can do even more you know co-op content because people do say raiding and like just late game dungeons is some of the most fun like people have in MRPG. Like, that's what you want to get to the late game for that raiding content. Yep. You know, you can have some like raiding light early on to at least make it fun. Yep, definitely. Uh, I, I yeah, I don't know what the perfect solution is because this is not a new problem. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even old school you know, MRPGs that we love, like whether it's Ultima Online, EverQuest, Star Wars Galaxies, mm -hmm. depending on the class and race choices you made, you know, you guys, you would start very far from your mm -hmm. friends. Uh, and and it, it could take a while to get together and kind of play together. So this is not like a, this is not one of those issues where it was solved before and people forgot, kind of like player housing, persistent. But um, <laughs> but EverQuest at least had like dungeons early on. Like you could do Blackboro and you could do you know, these dungeons, you know, you... You need, you need to go with other people to like go through these early dungeons. Like it wasn't yes. like a solo ran, run through, you know? Right, right. And, and even par even just general grind in EverQuest required mm -hmm. um, a party. A bit more party play. Yeah, so yeah, there were, there were different fixes. So hopefully we'll see more games like Fortnite. Um, I'm personally going to wait for it to go free to play. Omar, I know you have some kind of mm -hmm. early access copy, so... I, well, now that we're actually talking about Fortnite. I do want to say it's actually... I think it's a really solid game. I mean, it just... It just Feels really nice to play. Beautiful, you know, really, really smooth. Solid game. You know, you want to play a co-op game with your friends, and it's, it's a game that's, you know, you can play with pretty much anyone, too. You know, it's not too difficult to pick up and play. And, you know, the ease of being able to get into it, the fact that it's co-op, makes it basically, you know, a guaranteed winner. Big, big success. So the way I hear this game described um, is it's a uh, tower defense meets like third person shooter is that like is that fair or how would you describe the game you also want to throw an orcs must die in there because you can actually put down traps you know like basically the floor traps the wall traps mm -hmm. and you can basically you know defend certain positions with it as well so it, it, it basically tower defense meets first person shooter that sounds about accurate okay all right cool. the mo most of the kills you'll be getting yourself though like with your own weapons okay so the traps are just a side thing yeah you, yeah you can have them okay. it's not it, most of your kills again will be coming basically on your own Hmm. Alright, well, yeah, I mean, it looks fun. Uh, I'm I'm just still blown away. 500,000 copies, $40 a copy minimum for mm -hmm. a game that will be free to play within 12 months, you know, or less. Like, it, it just shows a level of pent-up demand in uh, in this genre, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to talk about Albion, but before we get there, we should probably mention probably the biggest news of the week, and I think what a lot of people are already aware of, but the Guild Wars 2 Path of Fire expansion. So, I mean, I know you and I both watched the, the little trailer, announcement trailer video. Mm -hmm. What do you think so far about uh, Path of Fire? Well, let me just put that on real quick so that people can see. So, this will be Guild Wars 2nd expansion. Mm -hmm. And if the, from the name, I'm getting some kind of desert vibes from it, right? Like like the Well, yes. Um, it's They're adding the, the desert from Guild Wars 1 into the game. Like, they're adding two areas from Guild Wars 1 into the new game. Uh, the desert area from the base game, and also the from Nightfall, a uh, place called Ilona. So I never played Nightfall personally. I played the OG Guild Wars, but I've never played any of the expansions, actually. Yeah, same here. I played the original, but not the expansions for Guild Wars 1. Hmm. Um, this will cost, I believe, what, $40 or $50? 50, 50 if you want the, if you want to get the expansion bundled with it, like the old uh, the, oh. the Heart of Thorns. Yeah, so if you want Heart of Thorns and this expansion, it's 50 Otherwise, if you if you already have Heart of Thorns, of thorns it's only what 40 right 30 30 30 
Okay. I was kind of hoping you'd get the heart of. I, I was kind of hoping they made it thirty bucks and the heart of thorns came free at that. Like they just made the heart of thorns free to play. That was my. That was my like you know. I was hoping they'd do that, but rip, they didn't. Well, luckily we have Heart of Thorns, so yeah, it's only thirty but for us. The problem is too; it's kind of annoying because you can buy Heart of Thorns right now, like the base price of thirteen, right? Mm -hmm. Fifty, uh, thirty bucks rather for Heart of Thorns now. But it goes; it went on sale several times at fifty percent off. So if you bought the base game before for fifteen, uh, the, rather than Heart of Thorns for fifteen dollars, and buy this separately for thirty, like it's it's cheaper than buying the bundle together with the expansion. I think the pricing just seems a little little iffy because of that, because you could have had it on sale for fifteen bucks. So 15 plus 30 should be 45 for the bundle together. I think you should make the bundle together 45 for that reason. Okay, so you 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 had preferred thirty dollars and forty five. Yeah, because oh. again, the 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 Hearthorns was for sale for several times for fifty percent off and at that fifteen price tag. You know what, you know what I liked about this uh, whole uh, reveal. Hmm. They announced the announcement date ahead of time. So that like, was so dumb. Yeah. They made they made two news stories out of this. It's pretty funny. So first they announced that August first will be the announcement. And then mm -hmm. today was the announcement. They should have said, okay, there's an announcement happening on this day. And let people speculate if it's Guild Wars 2, if it's maybe some other arena net game. It's, let the speculation build up. But no, they said, we're announcing an expansion you know, tomorrow or in a couple of days. Yeah, it was, it was kind of funny. It would have been more fun. I haven't played Guild Wars 2 personally in a while, but you know, I do think Guild Wars 2 is one of those games that's very like almost universally loved by at least RMORPG. Uh, I see the appeal... But it was never a game I, I played that much. I, I played it for a while, but I couldn't get into it for whatever reason. But like this, the, for some reason, this game is universally loved. I'm curious what people in the chat think about Guild Wars 2 as well. Well, this is a great opportunity for us to go back to try it. Um, also, we were just talking about co-op, right? Mm -hmm. One thing that Guild Wars 2 does, you know, makes really easy yes. is co-op. Yes, because it's got that whole, uh, what do they call it, the, the, the auto-leveling. So whatever zone you're in... Your character would be upgraded or demoted in le in, in like strength level wise mm -hmm. at least to match that that zone. So basically, even if you're level one or fifty or whatever it is, if you're with you know your, your friends, you'll be the same level as them in that in the zone you guys are at. So it makes it a lot easier to kind of quest in the re if the questing is easy. There's no like quest NPC really. It's like at least it's not too far away. There's like regional quests for each area of the map. So. Um, you basically qualify for all the quests. So you could you could be like a, a, a northern race and go to the south where the desert mm -hmm. is. And you can apply for all the quests there, play with your friends, um, and be the same level as them. So that's, that's fun. Was was Guild Wars 2 the one that pioneered that? Because like, we've seen that being used in ESO as well, and I think a few other games have done it since then. But I think ESO, I mean, uh, Guild Wars 2 might have been, been the first one. I'm not I sure. I want to say yes. At least to do it basically like globally like it, mm -hmm. it did it everywhere and i know even like you know, a lot of games do it like in certain areas now and stuff but mm -hmm. this is the first one to do it globally yeah uh, the cool thing too you'll be able to check out all the new content at least explore the world of the guild wars 2 expansion on august like 10th to 13th there's a week free weekend as long as your account never got banned there's you know any issues with it though they're going to be showing off that content pretty pretty early on so people can see it real soon it's kind of cool I mean, I look forward to trying this one. Do we do we have a release date? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, September. I think. Let me take a look. I put up the the news earlier today. Yeah, September twenty second. It's launching. So cool. it's for, from announcement to launch is like not that long. It's like less than two months. So I, I do like, like that. that as well. I like that. Yep. Well, what's cool is we literally heard nothing about an expansion. We knew everybody knew there was one coming, mm -hmm. but like no, you know, they didn't really say too much. And then boom, they announced that boom, it's happening in two months. That's awesome. I mean, that's the way to do it. You can't just. Mm -hmm. Tell people about it for five years and just lose hype. We had a pretty lengthy discussion about that. Whether you know, it's games shouldn't do that. You know, announce the game, 
and then come out like six, seven years later. Like, look at FF13, you know, FF15 rather. FF15, 15 15 took like God knows how many years to happen, and it didn't stop the sales. It sold like incredibly well. But we've seen a lot of MMORPGs end up doing stuff like this as well. But you not not always. No, it never happens with expansions. Just like you know the the base games. Yeah, I want to take it also to Albion. Albion has some pretty big news, and I'm curious what you think about the change in Albion Online. It's actually pretty polarizing right now. So we talked a lot about Albion last week as well, but they made a pretty big change to the game's PvP this week. And oh my god, the accusations of Care Bear Land are flying on the Albion Online subreddit. So I don't think you've heard about this yet. I just put it up. Uh, basically, I gave you a link for it. Mm-hmm. Dismounting now applies a debuff. That means for three seconds, you cannot attack other players. And what this does is actually, it seems subtle at first, but look at the video at the, at the news post. And just, it's like a 15, 30 second video showing the effect of this new change in action. All right, let's, I mean, let me, let me pop this up, see what's mm-hmm. going on. All right, so this guy's gathering some stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's gathering in a, in a dangerous zone where people can attack him. Okay, so then, oh, he mounts up while they're still unmounting and then he runs away. Yep. Basically that, and and you can see how poor how, you know he didn't even he, he he messed around a few clicks he misclicked a couple times, it doesn't matter he just casually walked away. So it's a lot harder to gank people now. Mm-hmm. Unless unless of course you sneak up on them without being mounted. Y- yeah, but he can see you coming and just mount up and run away. You know, there's there's that distance where you can see other players. Hmm. So what happens is uh you know and this guy is laughing like haha look at working exact exactly as intended how he's laughing he feels like he probably should have died at that point too. Oh. And a lot of people are upset because they're saying like, you know, basically six people can't even kill one person now, and solo gathering in Albion Online is becoming pretty safe. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a, a graphic somebody posted on our Albion Online about a different strat. You know, the don't the do's and don'ts of ganging people now. And if you if you if you come at somebody from a you know surrounding them, they can actually you know have a more effective way of killing them. But people are basically saying, well, some people again, you can see from this, my screenshot there with the patch notes, it was a fun game while it lasted, implying that you know. Albion Online is dead because of this change. Okay. So ultimately, they are making it more, you know, uh, people are saying the Care Bear accusations are flying. There's funny gifts. You know, people. a lot of the people that would Zerg and gank people all day in Albion are really pissed off that they can't do it so easily anymore. Okay. So like you said, and correctly, this is my first time hearing about it. So mm-hmm. while I have to see it in action to have a fully fair assessment, my initial... You just saw an action that one guy okay. just walked away from six people with my, no risk. My initial thought... It's fine. Here's mm-hmm. why. Here's why. You don't have to be mounted when you're looking for your target, okay? You could, I guess maybe the, what this picture is trying to show with the do's and don'ts is you could ride around and then you could unmount, you know, like near your target, right? And then walk mm-hmm. up to them and hit them. No, well, well, yes, if, you, if you're fully surrounded that way, yes, you, he, he has no way well, to escape. And I, hmm. You don't have to surround if him. If you, if, if you auto-attack him once, he can't mount, right? Yes. Okay, but so. he will he he can mount before you attack him, because you can see him coming from from further away. His name appears from a distance. It takes a two seconds to mount up. So okay. the defense is you know no matter what like you can just mount up when you see somebody. So it's not like they can just run at you then, unless like you're at half AFK you know and they can they can. The oh. guy in the video too actually really played poorly. He he misclicked three times. Yeah. It took a while to get on his mount. It didn't matter. He was safe because it's three full seconds before they can attack you. Well, okay. Also, remember when people are mounted, you can still attack them and dismount. So, like, if you if you ever got a group of people, like this chart is showing, the trick might be one guy to herd somebody into a trap, you know. And it's not just one click to dismount them; you did them multiple times to dismount. And depending on their tier of horse, 
you know, you need like five guys at the end of this mount, you know? Yeah. So it's not necessarily as easy as you say. And people are saying now that like, uh, I'm able to gather in black zones perfectly fine by myself. It's almost no risk. Okay. So I guess people, the, the, the feedback I think will be important because, okay, this is going back. This is going back a long time. In Ultima mm-hmm. Online, a lot of private servers actually banned mounts. The original Ultima Online to this day still has mounts. And obviously you move a lot faster when you're mounted. And for for uh, PvP reasons, many people on the uh, private server scene they kind of just flat out ban mounts because they don't want mm-hmm. uh, they mix you know PvP unbalanced. Because basically with mounts in Ultima Online, anybody can run away from anybody. You can just right hold right click and you'll just fly across the screen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not a big fan of mounts like that. Oh, I'm not a fan of mounted and unmounted uh dynamics in, in pvp games for this reason right because you know a group of mounted people can just wreck somebody who's unmounted mm-hmm. albion seems to be threading a pretty interesting uh line again to me so far it seems fine if if but if people are claiming that they personally feel no threat mining solo in a you know open zone yeah there's a problem so maybe the other got- the other side was a lot of, you know people are like oh my god this saved the game before i would just go uh basically resource gathering and get killed by 15 people like over and over again you know there's also it's also one of those situations where the people that are zerging and ganking you are basically taking low risk for high reward or at least some reward because if you're traveling with a big group of people you can basically pr- pretty much guarantee a kill prior but now you know it's it's much much harder to actually not again you could adapt your strategies and have it Again, to surround somebody in such a way that they can't escape necessarily, but yeah. it does make it it does shift the burden a lot to the to the gankers to really you know go full tryhard to get you. I'm okay with that. I'm, like I said, I think they have to tweak it based on the feedback mm-hmm. and and what they're seeing. But the concept of a delay when you dismount to attack another player, that concept is fine. Now whether you know it should be three seconds or two seconds or like one mm-hmm. point whatever that part I'm not you know certain on. But I think Albion is doing a great job kind of threading that line between. You know, hardcore and still accessible. They do a lot of features. Like uh, one thing they meant, you know, they do is um, if you're in an open PvP map, if there's a group of players that's above a certain number, right? I forgot what the number is, mm-hmm. but basically, if there's a gang squad somewhere on the map, the, the mini map will actually show a red circle, like a mm-hmm. warning, like this, there's a group of players here, like concentrated, so you can see Zerg squads kind of coming on the map, like a, a little bit of a uh, warning, which I think is amazing because otherwise, a group of five, six players who are organized. Can just 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 you know like wreck the time of of everyone else because you know even they can wreck a hundred people's time because if if hundred people are playing solo and a group of five can just kind of meander around the map killing them all one by one. So, well, the, the 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 thing was it was always supposed to be a risky thing to be gathering in black zones or or red zones. You know, it was supposed to be a high risk high reward play. Maybe if you want to gather, you you need people guarding you. You know, go with friends, go with other people, or just be really sneaky. That was like the so I think yeah I, I think I don't think it's gonna break the game or ruin the game. Mm-hmm. They have to find the balance between whether it's maybe three seconds might be too much, maybe they gotta change it, maybe make it one second even, you know. But it clearly is catering and punishing the people that were ganking, you know that. Yes, but those people need we need to control those people because they can't be the only ones we cater to. Because that's yeah, I mean, of course so many um, open PvP games fall apart because you have a small but organized group of you know just the gankers, the, the killers. And they kind of drive everyone else away. So the the playing field should be uneven because those the PvP players, I don't think, I think they want a challenge anyway, right? Maybe that's mm-hmm. not the best way to create the challenge, but I do think they need to be disadvantaged. And so, what do you think of the Albion you know system where it kind of telegraphs where does a large group of players? I, I think it's a great idea. 
I think yeah, I think it's really smart as well. And mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that, I think they can work around like uh, the edges without making it impossible. I think a lot of people are saying too with this with this change, it becomes literally impossible. Even if you if you fully surround them, it becomes impossible. They just run past it anyway. The only way to, people some people are saying that the only way to actually guarantee a kill is to literally lock down the entire zone, have like twenty people at every exit, and kill them that way. Like, this might be taking it too far to the other other direction. I think a lot of people are also fascinated with Albion Online because it's um. It, it does have the full loot and something this is a, the full loot pvp is a concept that's been tried in the past and never really panned out to be too successful but this is a game that's trying it again and it's it's doing really well it, it's a different experience and mm-hmm. you know i've played albion for quite a bit already and i do like that it's it's different the full loot adds i think a lot to the game so and i think that they thought of a lot of good systems to kind of encourage the economy as well because even though it's full loot if you kill somebody some of the gear gets trashed so it's not actually lootable so if you had a sword, it might randomly become trash, and the guy that kills you won't be able to get it. And the purpose of that system is ingenious. It actually ensures that there's a constant demand for new weapons and gear. Because even if you kill somebody, their gear could potentially disappear and has to be reintroduced to the economy by crafters. Mm-hmm. There's always a nice you know, demand for constantly crafted gear, which I think it keeps, it keeps it all very healthy, and they clearly thought about that too. So they've got to tweak the system a bit and hopefully get to a happy medium, I guess. Because I agree, you can't just cater to the hardcore PvPers. But you can't go the other direction either. You know, it becomes yeah. so difficult to kill yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. And I think Albion is at least experimenting, and I do approve their like their philosophy at least of of kind of balancing it this way. Uh, here's another interesting balance they have in yellow mm-hmm. zones. If you are flagged for PvP, which means which allows you to attack other players, you actually do less damage, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you are. That's, at a, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I think. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So if if you have two or three friends and you're trying to gank some guys in you know a, a yellow zone, you know, you're going to be at a disadvantage because. You know, you you get the advantage of jumping on them, right? Because they don't they don't probably expect to be killed in the yellow zone. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there's there's a trade off. So I do think these kind of, um, I don't know what you call them, but these kind of balancing slash you know tweaks uh, are are what we need in this kind of game. Otherwise, it's too easy for the hardcore organized guilds to just kind of run rampant and drive drive all the casuals out of the game, which you can't do because then the game dies. What do you think about this then? People are saying the this this change actually makes it near impossible for solo PvP. Because let's say you're 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 basically gathering yourself and I, I want to kill you by me by just me, right? Yeah. I run up to you. There's okay. literally nothing I can do to stop you from going on your horse. Because the second I see you, you see me as well, and there's always time to go on your horse, even if I'm already mounted or dismounted. There's literally zero chance. We're talking literally zero for me to kill you. Is that true? I'm gonna try it because there are some moves that speed you up or or jump. No, Remember no, no, the no. archer we were fighting? They like back jumped away from yeah, us. Yeah, but because yeah, but let's say you're running towards. I can see you on my HUD before you're well, before you're even within range to attack me. Mm-hmm. I, I click on my horse now on my horse and I'm running. What do you do? You can never catch me unless you're on a horse as well. Oh wait, you're on a horse. Now you now we're both on a horse. You can't catch me either. Before you could run up to them like on a horse and then as soon as they mount up, you can dismount and hit them and then at least while they're on the horse, they get slowed. Then if you, maybe you can slow them enough, you can catch them. And actually, somebody asked the devs about this problem. And the devs are, one of the devs responded, "Solo PP was never really intended in the first place." Wow, that's pretty. That was the, that was you know that was essentially their you know. Mm-hmm. So that just seems like that's going to make that job a lot harder too. Yeah, I I, I don't know uh, what's wrong with solo PVP. They should they should definitely allow that and. Well, they allow it, just not the folks of the game. Yeah, I, I get it, but like yeah, they should definitely like the system should be broad enough to allow that, like in terms of you know like allow it to succeed. So I I, I just think the the. the Discussion is really interesting in Albion Online because yeah. we're seeing that push pull between how hardcore should the game be, you mm-hmm. know? Because clearly they intended from the beginning to be very hardcore, and this is like giving an inch, you know? 
And I think a lot of the PvPers and the hardcore, you know, people that want to play a sandbox game like Albion, the way it was intended, the hardcore experience, are seeing this as the, the second you give them an inch, they're going to take the whole thing, you know? The worry is going to go the way, you know, maybe Ultima did with the introduction of, you know, Trammel. It just, that's, that's what I think what the problem is. Uh, Shneo, thank you for the sub there. The Twitch Prime or Amazon Prime. Yeah, I mean, look, we got to see. So far, it's very successful. And unfortunately, I think if you leave it the way it is now or the way it was before this kind of mm -hmm. fix, I think the casuals would be driven out once they get to that. See, here's the thing. When all the... Let's say 100% of the population, right? When they all get to the point where they have to start venturing to red zones, mm -hmm. I think there's going to be... If it wasn't for something like this, there was going to be a huge drop-off of players. Okay? Because... Yeah. It's not fair to lose to eight guys. And you, you can tell, well, you shouldn't be gathering alone. You know, you should have three guys standing guard while you, while you gather rocks all day. That's not, that's not realistic. You know, that's, a, that's not how it works. Like nobody, like I come back from work, you know, I'm fixing um, some pipes for a living and I want to I just relax and play some Albion, you know? And then you're telling me, oh, I'm playing, I'm, I'm mining some rocks. Eight, eight, eight 12-year-olds show up and kill me, all right? And a, whoa, you should have been playing with 12 of your friends and standing around while, while you mine rocks. Like that's not, that's not a sell to somebody uh, who just no, wants but, to play casually. But, but they're not trying to sell to that guy. It's clear that the game has an audience that's different than maybe a, a game like WoW or Final Fantasy XIV that will appeal to somebody like you who just wants to come from work and like do his own thing, right? It's not fair to say you deserve to kind of be accommodated in literally everything you do. That's a nonsensical argument. The no, game no, isn't for you. No, no, but you can't say a product is not for that person. You have to offer him a limited part of the game. No, right? you don't. I, I think what well, I think Albion wants to offer that guy. Well, clearly experience. they do, but you, know, yeah. you can't just demand that every game accommodates every single person. Well, it's not him demanding it. He'll just leave if it's not. And I think the, yeah. El the Albion developers realize this, and they're trying to cater. They want his money. Right? You know, his money is, is just as green as your money. You know, don't. You know, it's not like your money's worth more than their money. But again, I think what really set Albion apart, and what I really loved about the game, and I, I still enjoy Albion a lot. I don't think it's going to kill the game either. And they're going to mix with tweaks to it, obviously. But is the fact that it really did venture to do this hardcore experience in a world we don't see this anymore. Like almost no game has the hardcore, you know, element that you know uh, that Albion has. You have games like Mortal Online and stuff, but these are very obscure, not very popular games. Oh, so exactly. This, so Albion doesn't want to fall into that trap. But it it's it hasn't been in that trap. It's doing really well. It just launched. Know? Give it a minute. I know. <laughs> like, Give it a minute. Because I said, I bet you so many people playing today are playing in green zones and yellow zones, right? Because mm -hmm. that's just where their current progression has taken them, right? They're mining the tier three and tier four elements. But once they progress their skill tree to where they need to start going to red areas to progress, you know, a lot of them are going to drop off. If, like I said, if you, if if it's they just permanently get camped by these groups of you know players. Also, look at I mean, somebody mentioned Tippy as well as a full loot and more RPG, and that game is actually doing really well. It's nowhere near as obscure as stuff like Mortal Online. Pretty sure that game has still got tens of thousands of players online, over ten thousand players online. I mean, look at it right now. Uh, yeah, twelve thousand players online right now. It's full loot everywhere. And somebody actually made a good observation as well. That except casuals abandon the game, so catering to casuals always kills the game. And I think a lot of casuals do hop a lot between games. Yeah, and definitely. It, you know. The people that are really into Albion are a lot of the people that, you know, if, if they're not PKing, right? If they're not in the Zerg squad, they want to be in that position anyway. You know, like when I got killed by like five people, I'm like, holy shit, I want to do that to somebody else. You know, it's like it's always you aspiring to be the douchebag if you're not the douchebag now in the game like Albion where you have full loop PvP. So I do think you kind of do, you know, you can't always cater to the casual and you want to kind of focus on your strengths as well. 
I do think LBN's strength is that it's doing something different. And the moment it stops being something different or it becomes like another, you know, traditional MRPG with Care Bear mechanics, it's going to lose the, the its allure. I mean, the game doesn't have great graphics to begin with. It doesn't have like yeah. amazing uh, dungeons or anything like that. No, the, the cool mechanics in the game are the full loot, are the, the PvP and the guild, you know, the but, guild territory control stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's very clear by the choices they made, which you described, whether it's a poor graphics and the 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 mobile you know interplay i think it's mm-hmm. very clear they do want a broad game broad audience they they're clear if they didn't want a broad audience they would have made the graphics look better first of all right mm-hmm. so they do want the casual i think the casual miner the solo miner the solo craft they they want those people as part of the ecosystem and you're right they shouldn't cater to them specifically but you got to give them you got to give them something to do and and that's the beauty of mrpgs I think MRPGs should be played by different players in different ways. So, for example, in EVE Online, to this day, the majority of players don't leave high security space. Mm-hmm. Okay? So what this means is, even in EVE, which, by the way, doesn't have any of the stuff that we described, right? You, there's no, like, delay when you can attack them in, in Nullsec. There's, even there, it's, it's mostly casuals who don't want a PvP, right? Even in a full loot open PvP game, most players don't want a PvP. Ever, period. So, with that said, so you have to allow them to play their way, without you know. But you can do that without undermining the core principles of your game, which is the argument that this is doing. You know, let's say why do they have to go to red zones or black zones? Higher tier resources, right? Why not just add very rare high tier veins resource nodes in yellow zones? Well, what? Okay, so a good compromise. Problem then. fixed. A good compromise would be maybe don't allow this. Allow this three, you know, three second no attack after dismounting in red. But not black. How about that? That is a good compromise, I think, actually. That's a really good compromise because at least, you know, it would still give an area of the game where they can do that. But yeah. I would still argue a better w- solution would be to give, you know, put some of the higher tier resource nodes in in uh, yellow zones, which are, again, basically taking no risk over there. Add them there. Make them rare. Or not, no, so they're always farmed, you know. Oh, you want to get the better shit? Go risk, your, go risk yourself for it. But again, that's yours is still a better compromise than I think what they did today, you know? Yeah. And again, look, I think they're learning. Um, they clearly observed too much gank squad activity in mm-hmm. red. And like you were saying, Omar, with the, with the hardcore you know, guild people, let them have the black regions. At least allow mm-hmm. the red zone to be like this, where it's always, you have to always be on your toes. Because if I'm, if I'm drinking coffee while mining, maybe I won't have time to put my glass down and mount. I'll be dead. So you have to at least mm-hmm. always be paying attention, even if you go a three-second window to go. So mm-hmm. that, 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 that would be my compromise. I solved the problem. Thank you, Albion. Please give there me. There you go. Albion Online, we just solved, MMOs.com just solved your problem. Send the check payable to MMOs.com. That's right. Sounds good. But again, I, I, what I, again, what I really like about Albion is that it's something different. You know, I've played so many Korean MMORPGs, and this is one of the first, like, big, no, at least somewhat big Western MMORPGs we've had in a while. You know, what, what else have we had recently? Besides maybe ESO? Yeah, ESO. More when but it's, and that's already been a few years since that came well, out. Well, Guild Wars, does that count as Western? It's developed by a Western company, even though it's owned by... And yeah, it's owned by the Koreans. But then, what about players... Well, Player Unknown is not an MO, right? Yeah. But would you consider that a, a Western-developed game? It's Blue Hole, but the the, the lead designer was uh, Brendan Green, Player Unknown. I mean, I, I would say it's a, it's an Asian-developed game, even though it, right. it it plays a lot like a, a Western game. Yeah. But yeah, that's, you know, it's one of the only MORPs that came out in, in the, from a Western studio in a long time, and I think it's phenomenal. If mm-hmm. you haven't played it yet, I mean, maybe wait for. I mean, they should have a free trial too, because I think it's a game that would really benefit from that. Because you know, 
it may not appeal to everyone. Yeah, I think they had a great launch, and I think they will eventually uh, offer a free trial, free free to play version, etc. And speaking of East versus West, I know you did a a stream this Friday about East versus West, and I want to talk a little bit about a Black Squad. So, what what two games did you play? Okay, so yeah, so last Friday when you, while you were gone, I took the opportunity to try uh, Lawbreakers again, which is an open beta now, or was at least. And I played that for about 30-40 minutes, and then I played Black Squad for 30-40 minutes, because it, it was also pretty new on Steam. And this one mm-hmm. wasn't just an open beta, it was just a free-to-play game uh, overall. So I mm-hmm. played both. Personally, someone in chat mentioned this. So my goal was to play one for 30 minutes, another for 30 minutes, right? But mm-hmm. I actually ended up playing Black Shot for way more than 30 minutes, because I Black Squad, because I, I was enjoying it, right? And then someone mentioned, mm-hmm. hey, you played this longer. Does that mean you like this better? I'm like, oh, I, I, I got to be fair, you know? So I, I went back to Lawbreakers a little. Then I dropped in chat uh, a straw poll, like a vote, on what people, you know, what game uh, won or would you rather play. And the winner, surprisingly for me, was Black Squad. People liked Black Squad more than Lawbreakers. <laughs> okay, so people were saying Black Squad is trash, but somebody said Black Squad is fun trash. I, I want to I jump in here for a second. I want to say that Black Squad literally offers nothing new to the genre. It's the same rehashed Korean lobby-based shooter crap we've had since Combat Arms, AVA, Black Shot. Black Shot is different than Black Squad. Yes. And there are literally dozens of games like this, right? But despite that, I had fun playing it, and you know, it's a game I would I would just be like, you know, let's play some, let's play this random game. I'll link to my friends, and we'll all download it on Steam and play. It. You know, like we'll play for a while and have fun, despite the fact that it offers literally nothing new. It's it's I thought it was kind of fun too. And what's surprising to me is that if you look at the concurrent players right now for Black Squad, it's mm-hmm. actually not bad at all. They hit about 13k concurrent players, and it's been hitting like 10k during you know like during the day. If you look at Lawbreakers, on the other hand, it peaked at 4,500, and the peak kept going lower and lower. The player drop-off rate in Lawbreakers seems to be incredibly high already, which makes me think it's not going to do so well. Yeah, um, one of the complaints... I, well, first of all, Lawbreakers is going to cost $30, while Black Squad is free. So mm-hmm. the, I, I asked people voting to kind of take that into mind as they voted. Mm-hmm. So that, that made a clear difference, I think. Uh, number two, as I was playing Lawbreakers, uh, a word I used was disorienting. The experience was disorienting. And uh, somebody in, in the chat at the time agreed with me. That was a good word. Apt description of the game. Whereas Black Squad is kind of at the pace we're used to for like a tactical shooter, you know, Counter-Strike speed. Whereas Lawbreakers mm-hmm. is more like the old school Quake Unreal speed where everyone's jumping around, everyone's flying, there's rockets flying everywhere, which can be fun. But, you know, maybe I'm old now. I don't know what it is exactly. But it just felt like the, the learning curve is much higher. Let's just say that. But I think, you know, flying around is, you know, we've seen arena shooters like Quake Live or Quake 3, right? Mm-hmm. I thought they did pretty well. But then again, it, or if you compare it to um, maybe Tribes, Tribes was a little bit yeah, really yeah. fast paced as yeah, well, so yeah, a bit yeah. different. Yeah. I thought Quake was a good uh, good way of doing it. And I played, you know, Quake Champions, and I, I think that felt disorienting. I, I didn't like Quake Champions either because the whole, like, they, they designed this stupid class system. Every character's got different, like, stats and special abilities, and it's just, I thought it was garbage. If they just made every character have the same stats and get rid of the stupid abilities, I thought the game would be really fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I didn't really like Lawbreakers either. I've tried it on multiple occasions. The game runs well. It's well-optimized, because I know the first time I played it was poorly optimized, but now it runs buttery smooth. But I don't know. It, it didn't do it for me. And even though Black, you know, Black Squad is literally the most generic Korean shooter, offers nothing new, I thought it was pretty fun. You know, it's free. 
you can play for a couple hours easy with your friends and have a blast doing it. So, I, sadly, I would vote you know Black Squad too because at least Lawbreakers is trying to do something different. You know, it's it, it's trying to be an arena shooter, some different kind of shooter. But it's I I think it's gonna be a big flop, honestly. And they're really pushing it too. Like we've seen, you know, it's next next on is the the publisher. Uh, I think they own a piece of Balski or something yep. too. Yep. But they're gonna be launching it on in consoles as well. And I think they're gonna they're gonna probably pay a lot of Twitch streamers to stream it too. And I, I don't think he's gonna save it. I don't know. Does it, just looking at the the player base on Steam charts is how quickly it drops off during the the three day beta shows you that people don't like it. Yeah, and Lawbreaker is actually another game. I think we played it like a year ago, right? So it's it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of been in this development phase for a while. This, this closed beta alpha phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's is actually happening though. Yeah, it, it is happening. We're very close to launch. It's gonna launch on I believe on the eighth of August. Yep. 30 bucks um it's hard it's gonna be hard to put people to rope their friends in because one the, the barrier the 30 dollar barrier the high mm-hmm. system requirements and the size the game is 35 gigs you know it's pretty big for a shooter uh PUBG Omar is only uh by comparison seven gigs you know that's fine when i when we talk about file size for these games when i try to rope my friends into playing war mode i, I always tell them like uh, f- fun per megabyte war mode is god tier because it's like 150 megabytes or something <laughs> all right i build war mode as like the best shooter because of that but then my friend says no pr- uh, fun per megabyte is pong all right the game is like less than a, a couple of kilobytes probably so that's an amazing metric for games fun yeah. per megabyte <laughs> yeah i agree like, some games are like 40 gb and it's like fuck man, i don't want to wait you know download download all that shit yeah we should have a fun per mb metric on mmos.com all right <laughs> to some extent it's important i mean you I was shocked when I started downloading Lawbreakers. I'm like, what? I got to download 30 gigs for, uh, yeah, for this you know stream on Friday, whatever. Uh, and it, it is a big deal, especially in 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 many parts of the world. You know, in America maybe it doesn't matter because we have decent internet. But there are lots of places in the world, including Turkey, which you know where we we are we spend a few months of the year. You know, it's not it's not as easy to just you know justify a, a wallop of a download like that because you are kept every month in many many places in the world, so that's going to be an including issue. Including New Zealand and Australia, so it's not just like you know obscure countries, you know you know these. It's not just poverty ridden places like Turkey. Yeah, I'm trying to say it's a, it's an issue in like real countries too, like wealthy countries where they do limit your your data. Yeah, so maybe that's why maybe that's why these Korean shooters do so well. They're kind of uh, easy to digest, you know. Yeah. Price per megabyte, you know, that's that's key. <laughs> there you go. Fun per megabyte. All right. We got to get to my favorite article. Favorite bit of news for this week. Uh, you linked this to me last night. And I thought, holy shit, is this real? And it's about World of Warcraft and the game's in-game currency being worth more than Venezuelan currency. So take it away. Yeah. So last night I stumbled across this article and I just had to put it up before going to bed. Basically, uh, as some of you may or may not know, Venezuela this year is fallen into massive chaos. There's a huge economic, political issues in that country. And the price of their currency compared to the you know other currencies, like especially the US dollar, has been falling rapidly, especially in the last two months. So to kind of take this article in backwards order, in May of this year, so today is August 1st, so that's two months ago, right? Mm-hmm. One dollar would have cost you 279 of the local bolivar so 279 bolivars is one us dollar in may today it costs 11,000 bolivars to get one us dollar now for uh to put that in a gaming perspective world of warcraft gold uh it costs about 8,000 gold in world of warcraft per one us dollar so what this means is that the gold in 
World of Warcraft per unit is more valuable than the national currency of Venezuela. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. Like, I love you, that story. You're farming gold in World of Warcraft, and all the gold you get is literally worth more than the one unit of their of their current national currency. And it's actually getting worse though in Venezuela. I think if you look at the dollar today, it's up to like twelve thousand. Yeah, every day it's getting worse, guys. And 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 the speed of decay is amazing. Just in May, like I said, two hundred eighty in May. Now it's eleven thousand. So it's getting way worse there. Uh, and the real the real takeaway from this story, guys, is always store your value in in WoW Gold. All right, it'll, it'll serve you well if there's a communist uprising. What's actually pretty crazy too is um like in in Venezuela. Uh, well, a lot of the people that work for the government, they get paid in local currency. They get paid in bolivars. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's an official rate and an unofficial rate of of, uh, of exchange. The official rate is actually is very peachy. It says maybe like a couple hundred bolivars per dollar. And the real rate is like tens of thousands. So you get paid the official exchange rate. So there's a lot of like teachers and people that work for the government. They get paid like literally pennies per month because of how worthless the currency is. And they'd actually be making more money not teaching or staying home from work and playing World of Warcraft at that point, all right? So you can. So some of the government workers can make a lot more money playing WoW, farming gold, and being at work because they're getting literally paid like dollars per month. Well, I don't know how true this is, right? Because it's Reddit. There's a Reddit post about the story, and somebody in chat is claims to be from Venezuela, and he mm-hmm. says, "I'm actually a gold seller in WoW, and this has been great for me because my my the, the thing I'm doing for my job is getting more valuable." Because I don't know if you guys knew this, but Destiny Two. Uh, can be purchased with WoW Gold since it's going to be on the WoW launcher, uh, the the Blizzard launcher, right? So there's mm-hmm. actually been increased demand for WoW Gold. So the price of WoW Gold has actually been slightly increasing, uh, whereas the Bolivar has been dropping. So his his the thing the unit of money he uses to live is is you know dropping value, while the what he's doing for a living is increasing value. So he's getting way better off in his country. It's it's pretty crazy, pretty pretty. I mean, obviously, it's a pretty sad situation over there with how bad it's getting. There's actually got our Discord as well from uh, from Venezuela. Yeah, that's the main. Yeah, the main point of the story is to show you how bad things are in Venezuela. Don't actually buy wild gold. Uh, it is not a good store of value. Yeah, not a good store of value. Slightly better <laughs> than Venezuela and Bolivar, but that, that that's not saying much. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the story initially came from a a, a Venezuelan Twitter Twitter user, and I, I embedded his little tweet here. He used mm-hmm. some uh, some Jewish-looking duck holding silver coins <laughs> as his uh, <laughs> as his picture here. But yeah, so that that is the story of uh, Venezuela socialism, boys. Not even once. Don't do it. Stay away. Stay away. I guess uh, some of the big news or big happening this week is with Shroud the Avatar. I know we talked a lot about Shroud the Avatar as well, but I do want to say too, at least like. Um, People said it was a big disappointment disappointment for them, and we were talking about Western MRPGs. They really are, you know, this is another Western MRPG that's, you know, I guess somewhat recent. That's at least like in some form of playable state right now. So it, you know, and it's, it is doing a lot different, right? It's we praised it for being different, but uh, this game right now, they they, they now have to deal with uh, Travian Games, the publisher game in Europe, which is you know odd to see Travian Games becoming a publisher now because Travian Games. Is the company that literally makes that that like strategy game Travian? Like yeah. personally, I think it's an awful game. It's almost any one of those mobile or browser-based strategy games. They all pay to win, and I think they're all pretty bad. But the company that makes that has like two hundred plus employees, and apparently they're big enough to be a game publisher now because they're gonna be publishing Crowfall as well as Shroud the Avatar now in Europe. Dude, how can you say the game that's running this beautiful game I'm showing? The, the company running the beautiful game I'm showing. How can you say they're a bad? Game developer, look at this beautiful. I got. I want to see. Keep showing it off. Look at these right. quality graphics. 
This is a this is a screenshot right from Travian, boys. This game makes literally like hundred, probably like over fifty million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. The the thing is, you know, all these strategy games like Game of War, Clash of Clans, they got their start with browser games, and Travian was one of the earlier, like one of the first adopters to this this strategy genre. And because they were first, they made so much money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're minting money. And what what I found interesting is um, Crowfall actually lists the money they got from Travian, right? Mm-hmm. As part of their little okay, so here we go. I'm showing right now the Crowfall um, founding, uh, funding sources. So licensing, mm-hmm. I that probably just means Travian's uh, licensing deal, right? Mm-hmm. So Travian paid them two million dollars for the right to publish Crowfall. Wow. In in Europe. Now we don't. Do we know exactly what Shrouded Avatar got? No, they didn't announce any kind of money on that. I figured not. So we have to use um, this as like a baseline. So they, I, my guess is they probably got around two million because I'm gonna say one million. I think like you play Shroud the Avatar, you're like, eh, it's not worth a million. All right. Somebody in our chat said, um, like I played Shroud the Avatar for a couple hours, and everything was just clunky and felt kind of weird and random. And honestly, it, the, the interface and the way it's presented, like I think there's a lot of cool things in Shroud the Avatar, like the open-ended gameplay, the skill system, a lot of cool things. But it's just like it doesn't give players enough direction. Like the new players, especially, need something like nowhere to go, what to do, while still having some open-ended feel to it. And the interface is really ugly. And obviously, the game isn't done yet, so you can't fully judge it on that. Mm-hmm. But I think it needs it needs a lot of work. Yeah, it it, was, it just felt disorienting. There's that word again. Shredded Avatar. I also felt I felt disoriented in that game as well. And people are saying it's a catastrophic failure. Poor, poor Richard Garriott. He still he still believes in Shroud the Avatar here. But if if Crowfall got two million, I'd say Shroud the Avatar probably got one million. I feel like there's more hype. But what are you guys more hype for, Crowfall or Shroud the Avatar? I think for sure people are gonna say Crowfall. For me, Crowfall. Yeah. But uh, I actually watched an interesting thirty minute video with lord british uh just today just just like an hour ago mm-hmm. and he actually he's actually pretty cool in shard of the avatar what he'll do when he logs in first of all he accepts all friend invites to come towards him right mm-hmm. in, in his own game what he'll do is he'll randomly scroll through the friend list then he'll teleport to a player who's online and just kind of like hang out with them like do it do it do a quest with them you know hunt with them so it's pretty cool mm-hmm. you have a ch- if you play shard of the avatar you have a chance to interact with uh the guy you know who runs the studio behind it, so that's pretty cool. He he's involved. That's yeah, nice. and that actually has some, some interesting dedication. At least uh, mm-hmm. one of the guys in our Discord chat as well, Zim. He's a fun guy. He was telling me that you know he met up with Lord, uh, you know Lord British that way. You know Richard Gary. He ran them in the game in that similar fashion, mm-hmm. and they hung out. They talked for a while. I think he ended up saying like, "Will the value of my in-game silver go up or down?" Because like there's a real-world economy there too. He's got like two hundred dollars worth of in-game silver. So he's like, I, I don't follow the real world marketplace. So you couldn't give any advice on that, but it was, you actually got to see the guy that made the game, the founder of the company, actually being in your game, and that's like a level of involvement we really don't see, you know, in most MMORPGs. Period, right? Really, any online game, really, you'll see them on the forums, often like developers and stuff, and you know, they'll communicate with you, right? But very rarely we ever get a chance to meet them in the game themselves, in the game itself. I actually have a really interesting story. I don't, I don't know if mm-hmm. we told this before. So in Lord British's first MMORPG that we both played, uh, Ultima Online. Mm-hmm. When you called for a GM, right? Like, a, like a, if you if you had a customer support ticket, you know the way it works today is you you know you leave a ticket and then they either PM you back in chat or you get an email, right, f- to try to solve your customer service mm-hmm. problem. The way it worked in Ultima Online was, you know, you you submit a ticket with a question and you wait some time 
and then like as you're playing the game like you're hunting or you're in your house or you're in town like lightning strikes from the from the sky and uh, the gm appears before you in like a special outfit that only they get right and and they literally just talk to you in the game like one-on-one like they're they're a character you're interacting with and i thought that was so cool like there's a fact that you can do that and uh, obviously today that's gone there's none of that today it made it seem like more like personal and interesting because mm-hmm. they literally appeared in front of you. When you saw that, you were like kind of in awe, you know, like holy shit, this like GM appeared in front of me with their GM robes, look badass as fuck, and like other people could see them as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. To it. it made it like a little more personal, like a little personal touch to it. But now it's literally a ticket system, so you'll always just get a PM in game or a ticket on their official website. I mean, ultimately, as long as it works. Also, I noticed that like. I remember, I think I had to contact the gym once in uh in FF14, and I realized how much easier it is to get player support in a game that you pay for. You know, you play Final Fantasy 14, you play World of Warcraft because you pay a monthly fee. Like there is a built-in system to reach out to support, and they will get back to you pretty quickly, right? But you know, you're playing your you're playing like Maple Story, you're playing like fucking Aura Kingdom or something. You gotta talk to a GM. Good luck, bro. Like you know, support is not nearly as like well handled. You know, it might take a long time. It may never happen. So it's I guess playing a game that you pay for, even like buy to play game, I'm sure like ESO and stuff would be pretty good with it too. Like any any game you actually pay for up front, I think it quickly gets you at least better support. That's true. And actually, I watched another video that was popular this week about a guy uh, trashing on Anarchy Online. He's saying how everyone's hacking, there's no support, even though mm-hmm. there's. And it, by the way, Anarchy Online is supposedly in maintenance mode, right? By Funcom. But here's the thing they're still charging a monthly subscription. And I think that's unfair. <laughs> like, if you're gonna charge people money, like you said, Omar, you gotta you gotta offer service. And I think mm-hmm. the fact that Funcom is obviously so overwhelmed by um, Secret World and Conan Exiles right now mm-hmm. that they cannot provide any support for Anarchy Online, they should make it free to play. They clearly I have a real question. Yeah, can Conan Exiles have more than thirty players on the <laughs> server yet? No, no way. <laughs> I'm gonna look right now. Conan Exiles official servers. Uh, why are you looking for that? Actually. This, uh, I think yesterday or two days ago, marked the release of Secret World Legends on Steam. So they launched a month before on their own site. And just a few days ago, they are officially on Steam now. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. what's, the, what's the Steam player base like? Well, let's find out. Secret World Legends, Steam Actually, chart. on that note, official servers for Conan Exiles are still only supporting 40 players. All right, oh, so no, no, no surprise there. Right, so what do you think of these numbers? We haven't seen them before. Playing one minute ago, 2,700. 24 hour peak, 3,700. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. But what's weird to me is that, like, the the launch numbers for Black Squad are so much higher. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious why Black Squad had 13,000 peak. It's literally the same lobby based shooter we've seen 20 plus times. And at least, you know, Secret World Legends, it seemed like there's, there's more to it, you know? It's, even if you don't like it, there's, there's a lot more to it, you know? It's weird that, like, maybe, I don't, I don't know, just. More people are willing to play random shitty shooters, I guess? Yeah, there's... Okay, here's the thing, too, with Secret World. I feel like maybe they went too much towards streamlining it, because, one, there's no loot. There's literally no loot. Like, there's mm-hmm. no there's no mob loot or anything. Instead, quests and dungeons reward you, like, a one piece of gear. Like, random. And then the way you equip your equipment is by eating your other gear. Like, you know, you just you feed your gun other guns to get stronger. So, Makes sense. So stats don't like actually matter on your weapon because it's just a, you're just feeding that one weapon you got to level one basically. It's it's, <laughs> it's a really weird system. I don't, I don't know if I like it. 
<laughs> yeah, and obviously, uh, you got to pay. You only get five. I believe it's five dungeon loots a day. So after every boss, there's like a a, a treasure chest, right? Free reward. Mm-hmm. But you can only open like five a day if you're a free player. Otherwise, you got to buy keys for them from the cash shop. Right. Now the we- the weirdest thing about the system is a dungeon usually has six bosses. So it tricks you're supposed to not loot one of the tr- one or two of the trash, you know, b- uh, mob loots like the trash boss loots. You're supposed to you save it for the last boss. Exactly. One of your spots. Exactly. So if you- but if you don't know that you the, the 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 one thing you can't loot is your second you know dungeon of the day's final boss. That's like that's pretty that's like like that's pretty tricky. I know. Uh, yeah. I remember when you played uh, when you played Neverwinter, you get those lockboxes and they're like, oh cool, I found this like epic looking lockbox. Oh wait, I can't open it unless I pay real life money. You know, it kind of teases you by having it in front of you. And if you're a new player and you're just doing the Secret World Legends, you, you do a dungeon, you basically open every chest you get, and you get to the last one. Like shit, I can't open this one. It's the last boss. I'm, I gotta open it. And then they get you, and you end up sending money. Yeah. Okay. So I guess it's been done. This uh, <laughs> this trick has the been done. Um, with that said, the game is free. Um, it's one of those games that got a lot of love, like cult, like love from like mm-hmm. uh, underground audience when it first came out. It's free now. No, there's no op, no mandatory subscription. There's no retail price. Um, try it. If especially here's what if you if you like those old adventure games, uh, you might like the story and uh, visuals in this one. Cool. There. All right, let's take it to uh, the Blade and Soul. Actually, this is, I think, one of the only MMORPGs that use crowdfunding to, to, to fund their esports prize pool, which I thought was pretty cool. So they had a, they had a world championship for their, their PvP, and anyone that bought these uh, Lotus items, it would go, I think, like 75% to the prize pool. And then they bought like these secondary items, it was like 25% or something. And they raised like $320,000 into their prize pool, which I thought was really neat. Wow. You know, and this is an MRPG doing it. We've seen we've seen MOBAs. And you know, Lee tried something. Uh, Dota Two is you know, probably the best known for doing this. I mean, Dota Two raised like like crazy, like over ten oh, million dollars. We, we gotta talk about that after this. Like how, how much how how much Dota's raising? Yeah, I, I haven't seen the current TI prize pool. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, there's a lot of stuff happening to Blade and Soul. What's funny is actually they're doing server mergers, but they're not calling them server mergers. They're calling them, I think, uh, consolidation. All right, they're not Con- merging. They're consolidating. Consoli- guys. I love it. I love. I think. I think. Um, Arcage is doing the same exact thing. They're doing. St- these aren't server mergers. They're server evolutions. The- oh, evolution! I like that. That one's even better. Consolidation <laughs> could be negative, but when you say evolution, it sounds like it's getting better. You know, it's yeah. evolving. All That's right? funny. That's pretty funny. But beyond that, they're adding. A, they they hinted a new class coming to Blaine Soul as well, as well as some other some other goodies. I, I haven't played Blaine Soul in a while. I have it downloaded though. Like I, I kind of want to play it again because I remember I had a lot of fun with Blaine Soul. Uh, I, I I remember like. It was one of those games I kind of wanted to buy a costume in. Like, I wanted to, I wanted to spend money because I enjoyed the game a lot. I wanted to give this some money. Mm-hmm. And when I'm looking at the cash up, it was so expensive. That I'm like, fuck, I can't justify spending $20 for a costume. So I ended up spending nothing. But I, I wanted to give them money because I, I enjoyed the game so much. But I couldn't. $20 is too much for me. Can't do it. Well, don't you know? It's all about macro transactions now. My, micro transactions are so yesterday. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I wonder what game got the ball rolling on like the whole... Um, Auction house, like you can you can sell premium items on the auction house because I know Blade and Soul got so much shit for it. I know Black Desert got some shit for it when they started doing it too. But now literally every game kind of does it. I want to say I want to say the game that did it out of the gate was Neverwinter, right? That that cryptic was kind of on the ball with that, where you could kind of trade the currency in the 
in game. Yes, you're right. Yeah, you could do. Yeah, you're right. They were doing it too. Yeah, I think I think Neverwinter kind of got that started. Somebody say Guild Wars. Yeah, Guild Wars two. I, yeah, Guild Wars two had it as well. We've seen. Um, Eve has the plus system as well, but how long yeah. did they have that? And WoW copied it as well with the tokens eventually. So yeah, yeah, ultimately, yeah. in a lot of these games, you can pay for in-game currency with real life money, as you can with Albion Albion Online as well. You can buy gold through the through you know albiononline.com, and you can sell it in-game for currency. So that game also has a built-in system where you can literally buy as much in-game currency as you want from from the game company itself through this exchange system. But I think ultimately, like, it's not necessarily... I don't think it's a bad thing, ultimately, because people were doing the RMT anyway. Mm-hmm. Having it within the contained, self-contained system, I think, is, is, is a win-win for everyone. Because it was happening anyway. I mean, anyone that says, like, it ruined the game, it, it's nonsense, because everyone was already buying gold anyway. You know, you, you just pretend it wasn't there if you want, but it was happening. So I'd rather, you know, at least the company benefit from it than not benefit. Yeah, I, I know Spiral Knights had it. Somebody mentioned that. It's pretty cool. So, wait, so how much money did hmm? oh yeah, how much money did Dota raise? Yeah. All right, let's find out. Here we go. Putting it up here. All right. So, the way Dota's prize pool works every year is they release this compendium like digital book in Dota Two. It costs ten dollars to buy, but then to level it up, you have to either play games or pay more money. And then the more you level it up, the more rewards you get in game. So what mm-hmm. a lot of people end up doing is people spend like a thousand dollars leveling up their book. Why? What do they get for leveling it up? Every every X levels you get a new chest with new gear, and then every like fifty levels you get like a special border or something. And like, mm-hmm. there are some pretty expensive rewards. Like some rewards don't start till like a couple hundred levels in. So the mm-hmm. only way to actually get them is to either pay or just you know grind like crazy all day long for like months. But I know I, people on my friends list are like level four hundred, five hundred, which means they must have spent hundreds, you know, like close to five hundred dollars on the book. Uh, anyway, so twenty five percent of the money people spend on this book goes to the prize pool. So that brings up to the, uh, this year's total to $23 million. Holy crap. That's quite a bit more. Last year was $20 million, right? Yeah, they, they're ahead of last year. Holy, $23 million prize pool. That's that's insane. Like, is there any, like, actual, like, if you win the, if your team wins the Super Bowl, like, do you win a cash prize? Is there a cash prize for Super Bowl? Uh, I don't know. But the, the, the Super Bowl guys are getting way more than this, if that's where you're going. Obviously, because they, okay. they get sponsorships and stuff, too. No, even their base salaries are millions. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I'm, I'm curious. Is there a cash prize for winning the Super Bowl? While, you look, the chat, no? while you look that up, um, mm-hmm. so they distribute. They, they, they show you the, the breakdown of that $23 million prize pool. So the team that gets first place. By the way, this tournament is, like, I think, next week. So in one week or so, the, uh, the Dota 2 World Championships will be going on. And the first prize team of five people will split $10 million. So that's crazy. That's $2 million per player on the winning team. Isn't like that? What is the whole price? What is like the. How much does number one get in League of Legends? Like nothing. They're splitting like a million bucks. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you split like 200. Everyone gets like 200K, you know? Yeah. It's, you're winning over 10 times the money in Dota 2. And that just shows you like the how much people like, it's actually a pretty good trade off for players too because it's not like you're not just buying something just to support esports you also get the companion which gives you a shit ton of like fun rewards in game and something to work towards so it's a really well thought out system but like you'd think League would do it by now but I, they haven't done it just yet and I did find the number by the way if you if you're a winning team in a uh, Super Bowl you win from the NFL on top you know your regular salary and shit right you get a bonus of hundred hundred seven thousand dollars each for the each player oh well that's something the losing I guess. team gets fifty three k. But like, yeah, you win. You win so much money in Dota Two if you go pro and you you end up winning this one thing. Like, 
you know, with how big sponsorships are and stuff too, like winning the, like for a lot of, imagine for a lot of league players and a lot of esports players in general, like prize money is, is decent, but most of their, their earnings come from their salary or sponsorships. But in, in Dota, if you, if you end up going to the finals in Dota 2, in international, and you win, that's $2 million, you know, the, maybe like the, the, the top player in every, you know, the top, 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 like two guys make that kind of money a year, you know, like I would argue the probably the best league players don't make $2 million a year, like yep. counting all their sponsorships and everything, count everything they make and they probably don't make $2 million a year. But if you win TI, boom, $2 million, easy. Boom. If the team pays you. Apparently it's a big ongoing issue in esports, guys, where uh, even even when a team wins, like a big tournament, the, the team uh, owners or whatever just never pay out to the players. <laughs> How does that happen? That seems like so sketch. I've, I've read horror stories about that too on Reddit yeah. all the time. And you think with like how I guess more developed the esports scene is now, like this this scummy behavior just stops happening. But no, nope, I read about it all the time. Oh, someone in chat asked, so this is a great opportunity for me to trash League of Legends. Is Dota pay to win? No, it's actually uh, not pay to win at all. There's no, you can't buy heroes. All heroes are unlocked for everyone, level one and right away. Um, there's no runes, masteries, rune pages. The only thing you can buy with money is cosmetics. Uh, period. So it's a there's no there's no pay for convenience there's no pay for you know to win nothing like that. Whereas in in Lee you do have to buy the heroes and the rune pages and all that jazz. But yeah, I I do like the model for Dota to the best. I mean even Hots right. Uh, not everything is free. You have to unlock the heroes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think Dota is probably the the most fair model for free to play users. And despite that, they make so much money. Again, you want to do the reverse calculation on that twenty. They got twenty three million, right? Okay. Yes. And of that, well. St- Valve puts in 1.6. So the amount okay. that was actually raised by people buying the digital book was mm-hmm. 21 million. So 21 million, right? That means that's only um, 25%. That's only 25%. So they had to raise uh, they had to raise 84 million. So yeah. they, they they made profit over 60 million dollars literally from just the compendium sale. 60 million. That is insane. That's probably how much I'm like oh my god, that's so much money. And Dota 2, Dota 2 is a big game, but it's not like that big, right? When we're talking about, you know, I think we had, we had a number for Dota 2, I think, a couple of years ago, how much money they made. But I would argue that what they made just the compendium sales, their revenue from there is a big portion of their entire yearly revenue. Yes. It, it's amazing. Yes. And uh, Super Dad actually did uh, mention that. Uh, this usually, actually, Dota 2 has been off the top 10 monthly, you know, revenue games mm-hmm. on PC. But this, this month in June, they were fifth place, which means they made more money than World of Warcraft uh, in June of 2017. And the reason for that, as um, Superdata noted here, is that the the TI digital subscription or <laughs> compendium sales uh, boosted it by a lot. Yeah, holy crap. Is it, Dota's number five on that list. Yeah, so this won't be... once it, once this uh, After this month, this is not going to be the case anymore, guys. Dota, I think, will fall off this list. Oh, Only, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. People are saying 300 Heroes, best MOBA. I agree, especially when we go back to my, my metric of fun per megabyte. Right? <laughs> 300 Heroes is a great game. I, I, I want to play more of that later. Quality, quality game. I, I really wish it came out in America. We, it's, it's, the, the ping in China is uh, kind of a disaster, kind of a deal breaker, though. You know what's funny? So I, I hmm. had a friend over uh, from, old, from high school, right? He was in town, hmm. and we hung out. And you know, he, he, plays, he used to play games, but now you know, he's got a real job. Uh, so he plays games very sparingly. Once in a while, he'll play you know, WoW with his old friends. And he even told me he only has about two hours a week to play games. Mm-hmm. So I sh- you know, for fun, I showed him uh, this list of the top 10 grossing PC games for the month. Uh, and and he, know, he knows what 
League of Legends is. He used to play that. But then I, he's like, what's Crossfire? So I showed him a trailer, like a gameplay trailer, right? And you know, obviously, it's not a very good-looking game, right? So he was like baffled. How can this make you know so much money? Like this makes more money than World of Warcraft. What is Crossfire? You know? So I'm like, I'm not done. Let's look at number three. So I showed him a trailer for Fantasy Westward Journey Online. He's like, and mm-hmm. obviously the game looks awful too. <laughs> like, well, how can people play this? How can this make more money than World of Warcraft? I never heard of this. Then I showed him Dungeon Fighter Online, another game he hasn't heard of. And I said, this also makes more money than World of Warcraft. I showed him the trailer for that. He's like, you know, he's like, I think Chinese people just like bad games. Show me sure. So that was fun. I, I always love uh, blowing people's minds. With, Let me yeah. show you the fancy Westward Journey, all right? This is this is quite a game. All right. This is me... their official trailer, actually. Oh, let me see this. Well, that, this is the original one. This is Fancy Westward Online 2. Let me put on number. First show, first show off the, the OG version, all right? All right. Oh, man. <laughs> this looks like a, a really bad mobile game. That looks, it looks so old. But look how popular it is. It, it's like loaded in this, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find uh, a good video for Fantasy Westward Online Journey 2. I'm on their official website. I'll find the video on here for sure. Okay, I think this, guy's the one you're seeing now, I believe it came out in 24. So 2004, this game is. It, it kind of looks like Conquer. You, you, you are right. It does look like Conquer Online. Okay, so I can't find any videos for the second one. But the, uh, but it's odd because even though it's called Fancy Westward Journey Online 2, like the second version of the game, the graphics have not gotten any better. <laughs> it still looks like Conquer Online. You Doesn't d- it? You don't mess with perfection, all right? I, I guess so, because I couldn't find the video for it, but I did find that. I think it's the exact same game. It's just like an updated version or something. But this game makes is like one of the highest grossing MMORPGs in the world. You know, despite being this old. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, so, and then I showed him a trailer for Roblox. That game is also, Roblox is making more money than Overwatch. I know I mentioned this last week as well. But, I, you know, I really blew his mind. So that was fun. <laughs> so this, it's called, uh, this game has 250 million registered users worldwide and has more than 500 servers. Non, uh, the, the concurrent users reached 2.71 million in 2012. That was the peak in 2012. But 500 servers is pretty nutty. Quite nutty. Roger Nexus as well. Nexus was a fun game. Kingdom of the Winds. I think there's a third version of this fancy Westward Journey as well, but there's no. Yeah. Man. A lot of those old games, a lot of the games on that list, you know, don't look particularly great visually. But again, it, it does go to show that, you know, you, ha- you got to make sure your game works on people's computers to do well. And if Crossfire had great graphics, I don't think it would do well because it wouldn't run very well. Well, I'm surprised that PUBG is doing so well, despite you know having the optimization issues and still not running really well on bad PCs just yet. I have a quick now, that story. game still makes a lot of money. I have a quick story I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So this one actually I found on Vice. So the reason my friend was in town this week actually was this convention. There's a convention hacker convention called DefCon, and this guy gave a talk this year, and he. This man made his living for 20 years by hacking MMORPGs. That's how he made his living. And he Pretty badass. Yeah, he actually knew like exploits in all the big games and he would just sell basically in-game currency that he would dupe or whatnot. So one thing he basically in Wildstar, he mentions Wildstar, he has infinite money. Like he literally has like 18 quintillion money that he just duped in the game. 
and he whenever he, I guess whenever he finds a buyer for it, he, he sells it for whatever. He That's can how get. Wildstar collapsed. This guy, this guy killed Wildstar with his dupes, all right? Yeah, he got to start in Ultima Online. I mean, just reading the story, I kind of just you know I follow his progression. He started with Ultima Online. He played Dark Age of Camelot, and he knew a cheat or exploit in Dark Age of Camelot where if you log out in a certain way, you would actually duplicate your character. So you'd have two of the same character, and he would just strip one of all its gear and its, its money, then like delete it and then do it again. So he kept doing, he kept duping. So he basically had infinite money in Dark Age of Camelot, uh, Wildstar, uh, and here's, here's a funny thing. He made a living like this for 20 years, right? And you know why he stopped? Because he did retire. He said, I stopped because the game companies themselves started competing with me. So he didn't feel bad about selling in-game gold when the, the company running the game was not doing that. They were just doing a subscription mm-hmm. and you can do whatever you want, right? But he said when the game started offering currency in-game, like directly from the publisher or developer, right? He felt like then he was like doing something morally wrong because I was competing uh, with the actual developer for the same product they're selling. So Inter- yeah, he did. He didn't want. He didn't want to, you know, hurt the developer that way, right? Yeah, he. I guess in the past he figured, look, if they're not going to monetize RMT, you know, uh, uh, it's open for me. But it's, when they started doing that, he said, well, you know, now I'm now I'm taking away their lunch. So now he's a consultant. So he's uh, he's still in it. It says he sold about 100 houses in Ultima Online for an average price of about $2,000. So he he sells castles in Ultima back in the day. He made $200,000 selling castles in Ultima Online. That's a lot of money, 200G. Yeah, apparently he he had an exploit where he could just delete people's houses. Like, it's amazing that they don't, you know, these things don't get caught. You would think after people start complaining about that, like they'd start monitoring like all the houses, like all the ones that get deleted, and see what happened. You know, if it, if it got deleted naturally, or it got like bugged out. But you you would think when like like you would think that like these like how much money you have in a game, right? Like whether it's World of Warcraft, if it's Wildstar, literally every game, right? The values for how much money you have are stored in a database somewhere, right? That's, and that database must be like viewable and sortable. That's how Excel sheets and databases work. You know, once in a while, all developers have to do is pull up the entire database of how much money exists in the game per character, sort by highest to lowest. And, if, and if, if a number sticks out, like this guy's got 10 quadrillion gold, wait a minute, you know, what's going on over here? And uh, start looking into it. It seems so obvious, but obviously uh, it probably isn't that obvious. Like there probably is not a good UI for it. I don't know. Yeah, but on a command prompt, some kind of like you bring up a database, just sort the top 10 people with the most gold. Just call you know, IBM. It, just call IBM. They'll figure call it out. Call IBM. Get the mainframe going. Look, <laughs> it's stored in a database somewhere. It must be. And it's got to be viewable. It just seems like every game should just do that once in a while. And you would fix dupes. You know, that would, that would stop. Because duping can really d- destroy an in game economy. And mm-hmm. one of the magical, fun experiences in MMORPGs are the fact that it exists in this shared, persistent universe. And the way the economy works in that game, if it gets, if it gets completely destroyed, there goes one of the reasons to play that, you know. I, for somebody that trades a ton, you know, buying and sell, buy low, sell high. I, I love doing that in games. I love accumulating in-game money because it's it's, it's fun. It's a form of progression in the game that I love doing. So if, if an economy is shit and it just doesn't work, it's, it's a no-go. It's a no-moss. I mean, it, it's an interesting read. I, I dropped the link earlier. Uh, if you guys are interested, in, like in this kind of this aspect of gaming, it's worth the read. What I found interesting was how careful he was uh, to keep his things on a download. He like, never advertised himself. He would just sell mm-hmm. to like. He would sell the wholesalers and stuff because he didn't. He didn't want the company to find out what he's doing, obviously, because then his gravy train is over. So he mm-hmm. he did. He kept things under the radar enough that he didn't get caught. Smart. Yeah. Fun God times. Hackers. <laughs> nice. That's pretty crazy, though. That'd be nice to make a living doing like some kind of emo stuff. 
There you go, emos.com. But uh, right nowadays, if you want to make your living playing games, you got to be a really good streamer or content creator or website maker. That's like the only avenue. Going pro, going pro in eSports e is not, or you you need know, really not good, easy. really good assets if you're going to stream, you know? Yes, you got some nice titties if you want to do it as well. If I Look, people always make fun of those booby girls. You would do it too. You'd all do it if you could, all right? Oh, You'd yeah. all do it. Like that is hundred percent. Look at me. That's why I never I'm sitting them. here with a fez and a and a plushie on my head like an asshole. Let's try to get some views. If I had boobies, they'd be sticking out. <laughs> same, same. All right. Well, with that said, uh, I think we're ready for the post game. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks for watching, guys. I hope you learned a lot. And we'll talk about the cleavage cams in the post game. And if yes. you guys would whore yourselves, I know you would. We'd all do it. Oh yeah, I I would be very excited to do that. But you'll have to wait till the post game to hear more mm -hmm. about that. So take it easy, YouTube. Try to catch us live next time. You too can be part of the experience. Later, YouTube.